This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hello, friends. Welcome to this episode of Ask Amy, where we talk about all of the topics that you bring to me, things you want to know about. Today, we're going to talk about identity theft. It's sort of, I mean, it's something that we hear about so often. The uh, Federal Trade Commission says that they receive millions of reports of identity theft every year. We're just going to say millions and that consumers lose in the billions of dollars every year because of identity theft. I mean, it can happen in so many different ways from hackers hacking on into your computer, from people stealing your mail, um, all of these different types of identity theft. You got so many things coming at you at once. Um, and so we want to dedicate this entire episode to recognizing if your identity has been stolen and then what you should do about it if it does happen. And you have rights. You have rights as an identity theft victim, um, monetary amounts, balances on your credit card that you are not responsible for if you did not cause them. If you didn't make those charges, then you shouldn't have to pay them. But you got to be vigilant. You know, a lot of times people ask me, um, should I hire an identity theft protection service or company? There's a lot of them out there, LifeLock probably being the most um, popular one. And people say, is that a good use of my money or is that a waste of money? Um, you know, you can hire a different company to sort of outsource every single thing that you want to do or that you should do in life. Identity theft protection is something that you should be doing yourself. These are steps that you should know how to do, things that you should be doing yourself so that you are familiar with what's on your credit report. I mean, what do these things look like? I know that sometimes people get busy and they say, I just don't have time for that. But because there are so many various different ways that identity theft can impact you, um, if you sort of outsource that, you lose control over this. And these are things that you want to know what's going on in your financial aspect. You want to be looking at your own credit reports and, um, and your bank statements and your credit card statements. Um, several years ago, we did, and I've investigated this twice now, electricity identity theft. And we've heard about identity theft in so many different ways. But this was one, one aspect that has become really prevalent in Texas is people stealing your identity to open up electricity accounts. I mean, I don't know about you, but my electric bill this last month was $447. Yeah, that's crazy, insane. But you can see why thieves would want to use your social security number so that they can open up an electricity account in your name and provide free electricity to them and their friends. Um, so take a look at what happened to one man um, when he discovered that he was paying for a lot of people's electricity at addresses all over Houston. You turn off the lights when you leave a room, close your blinds to keep out the sun, and adjust your thermostat to conserve energy. Craig Cookin did everything within his control to keep his electric bill low. 
What he couldn't control or even conceive were thieves racking up more than $4,400 in electric bills in his name. It's a matter of somebody stealing your social security number and using a fake email address and a fake phone number. No one knows where thieves got Cookin's social security number, but we do know once they had it, they used it to apply for electricity at seven different addresses with seven different electric providers. Over three months, from July until September of last year, the people who lived at these apartments, this home in Humble, this home in Spring, and this home in Katy, used the electricity, never paid the bills, and then quietly moved on. By the time Cookin received the collection notices in November, his pristine credit score had plummeted. It was a nightmare. It was a nightmare. Absolutely a complete nightmare. And that gentleman said that it took him about five months of constant phone calls and emails trying to clean up the mess from all of these different electricity accounts that were open in his name. It was very difficult to get the um, electric companies to understand that he didn't open these accounts. And then even when he did get them to understand that, some of them had already sent those accounts to collections and trying to clear all that up. So throughout this episode, I want to tell you, we're going to start with how to recognize if your identity has been stolen. Because the longer that the problem goes on, if you're not monitoring your credit accounts, your um, in, in different accounts that you have open to catch these things, and then it's just going to persist and charges will rack up and you will be cleaning all of that up later. So that is one thing that identity theft protection companies say that they can do. They cannot, you should know, an identity theft protection service cannot stop your identity from being stolen, but they say if it is stolen, they can help you limit the damage by alerting you to it sooner. Well, you can do that yourself. Um, and then they also say that um, they can monitor your credit reports, all those things. You can do all those things first. Okay, so how can you identify if your identity has been stolen? It's not always super obvious. Um, you're not always getting alerts from your bank or your credit cards. You can set those up, so you should go in and set those up if you don't already have that set up already. I've heard from several people who say that their bank alerted them to a big charge or their credit card company denied a transaction and sent them an email or a text instead and said, is this you? Those are all great services that you can sign up for, and they don't cost anything. But look at what happened to me this week. I go to my mailbox, and I get a letter that says it's from the Texas Department of Public Safety. And I'm like, huh. And I'm feeling in here, and I'm like, this feels like a driver's license to my address. But why are they sending me a driver's license? So I open it up. It is a driver's license, not for myself, for someone that... I I've never heard of this person before. Um, the interesting thing is that um, the address on the driver's license was not my address, but it is my address that they sent it to. And so I'm like, well, why? Um, so I have reached out to the Department of Public Safety, sent an email, called their customer service line, because I want to know why my address is linked to this person's driver's license. Things that you weren't expecting, right? I mean, so denials of credit that you didn't apply for. A lot of times if you apply for a credit card or a loan and you don't get it, they're required to tell you why. So they'll send that notice to your home. So if you get something like that and you didn't apply for credit, that is a red flag. That is a signal to you that someone else did apply for credit using your name. So calls or letters about purchases you didn't make, red flag. 
charges on your financial statements that you don't recognize, which means you need to be looking at your credit card statements every month and your bank statements every month for transactions to make sure like, oh, yes, that was me. That was me. That was me. Um, if, if you're letting these things slip by, sometimes you lose your right to get that money back as well if you let so many months pass without telling your bank or telling your credit card, hey, that was not my charge. Um, don't ignore bills from people you don't know. So if you're receiving a bill or something to your home, your address with someone else's name, that could be a problem. Um, also, sometimes people will get your insurance information and they're able to make medical claims on your insurance. It's not you. But how many times have you received a notification about a claim or a most recent visit and you just sort of gloss over it or you don't click on it? Look into all of those things because somebody else might be using your medical insurance for Medicare. I mean, for some sort of fraud, Medicare. I say Medicare, but I mean, these are things that you should be checking. Um, don't let that information slip past. Um, your credit reports, you want to make sure that there is not incorrect information on there or accounts or addresses that you don't recognize. Um, for example, in that electricity identity theft, if that gentleman had looked at his credit reports, he may have seen like these addresses on there when they applied for um, electricity or they signed up for electricity using his social security number, and that can help you stop those things. Um, so when we come back, we're going to talk about best practices, um, things that you should be doing to protect your identity. So those are things that you should be on the lookout for. But then if you notice any of those things, things that you should, things that will help you spot um, all of those things, the calls and the letters and checking your credit report, um, just sort of a good list. These are things that you should be doing daily. We're going to talk about those when we come back. Welcome back to this Ask Amy talking about all things identity theft and how you can DIY identity theft protection. You are your best advocate. Sure, you could go out and hire, pay for one of these identity theft protection services, but all of these things are things you can do yourself. And I would say they're things you should be doing yourself. Um, so let's talk about some of the things. Collect your mail daily. You want to go to your mailbox and take out everything in your box every single day. Um, in case you haven't been paying attention, there's a huge problem with the security of the U.S. postal system. Mailboxes are being broken into. They're being compromised. Thieves have the actual keys to mailboxes all across the country. And so you may not even know that your mail is being stolen until maybe you're waiting on a statement or you might be waiting on God forbid a check that never comes because it's been intercepted by a thief. Well, if you go to your mail mailbox daily and take all of that stuff out, there's a lower risk of thieves getting access to your mail, getting access to those things. Also, when you go away, if you're going out of town on a vacation for an extended period of time, put your mail on hold or ask a neighbor or somebody to go and check your mail, take your mail out of the box for you so that you know that it's not just sitting unsecure in a mailbox overnight. And when I say unsecure, I mean, there may be a lock on that mailbox. These days, that doesn't mean it's secure. So make sure you're collecting mail from your mailboxes and make sure you're never putting checks in the mail. I think we've gone over that ad nauseum. Not a good idea. 
Okay, when it comes to your computers, because so many people are so vulnerable on computers these days, and I know people get nervous, and if you're not nervous, then you probably should be, you want to make sure that you're using different passwords for different accounts, that you're not using the same password for every single account you own, because all it takes is one of those getting hacked, and then identity thieves, scammers, hackers can get into all of your accounts, and they will try it if you have the same password from multiple accounts. Um, install antivirus software on your computer and keep it updated. Um, that stuff really does actually work because if you're the type of person who people are sending you things and you're clicking links or you've accidentally clicked something that it was somebody trying to spam you or say, hey, this is your bank and we had this activity and you click on that and you don't have that antivirus software protection on your computer, you could have just exposed everything in your computer, all your passwords, everything to identity thieves. Um, so having antivirus software on your computer is very important. Um, these are some signs that your computer may have been hacked. And I've had people um, fail to recognize these things and it's very dangerous. So if your computer is slowing down, crashing, or you're getting error messages and you don't know why, red flag, your computer has probably been hacked. If your computer won't shut down or restart when you try to shut it down or restart it, if you're getting all these pop-ups and unwanted ads, like you're trying to do something on the computer and something else is constantly popping up, that is the sign that there's a virus on your computer. Um, if it shows you new toolbars at the top that you didn't install, intentionally, that could be a virus or malware on your computer. Um, changes to your default web browser, if you had it set to always be Chrome, but now it's opening up as something else, um, that could be a sign. I mean, anything that you did not, a change that you did not intentionally make to your computer, that's a red flag that your computer may have been hacked. That's why these um, antivirus softwares are very important. And when you get a notification that it needs to be updated, you also need to click that and update it. Also, if, it, if the battery drains very quickly, that's a red flag and could mean that your computer um, has been compromised or hacked. If you don't have two-factor authentication on all of your big accounts, that should be happening now. So basically what this means is anytime you go to open your, um, say your bank account or check your bank account online or you go to open Facebook, it's important that you set up the two-factor authentication so that say your Facebook account when you log in gives you some other code and they'll send it to your cell phone or they'll send it to your email that you can check separately and say, yes, this is me logging in. Those are very um, good at protecting your information and making sure that hackers can't get into your computer system. So if they've stolen your password, but they don't have access to your cell phone or your cell phone number, then they can't get into these other accounts because they're going to do one more step to make sure that it's you. Um, so some of the other things that you should be doing is um, reviewing your credit reports annually. It is now free. Right now, all three credit bureaus, Experian, TransUnion, and Equifax, are allowing you to review your credit reports weekly at no cost. It used to be annually, but now it's free and you can do it every single week. You shouldn't need to do it that often, but you can. You could stagger them. Maybe, you know, you check one every week. Um, you, you experience one week and TransUnion the next week and Equifax the next week. You don't have to check them all at one time, but again, you want to check them and look for those things like um, accounts you didn't open, all of those things. And the best place to go to do that is annualcreditreport.com. 
com. If you just type in free credit report, you're going to be spammed. You're going to come up with all these results for sites that are going to charge you in some way or another to look at your credit report. But go to annualcreditreport.com. That's where you can get your reports from all three. The other thing that you can do that's really helpful and effective is um, opting out of those pre-screened credit card offers. So if you get credit card offers in the mail that say like, hey, you're pre-approved for this credit card or this line of credit, it's that's risky because if your mail gets stolen and someone takes that, they could take that and open up that account in your name and you didn't intend for that to happen. So you can opt out of those um, and you can opt out of them by calling 888 888- five opt out or you can do it online and in our show notes we will put down the address it's it's opt out prescreen.com where you can go and say hey I don't want any of these pre-screened offers coming to me because you don't want those sitting in your mailbox and if you do get those you should not just put them in the trash you want to shred those so that nobody else can get them out of your trash because that's another way that thieves can get access to your information okay I'm going to go through these pretty quickly because I'm looking at our time and we're running out you can freeze your credit now credit report um, credit reporting agencies say that this can be a drastic step but if you are not Um, actively searching for a home to buy a home and and, um, trying to find a lender or you know you know you're not going to be taking out any opening any new lines of credit anytime soon you can freeze your credit with all three credit reporting agencies this is now also free and so you don't have to pay for it you put a freeze and what it does is that it makes it to where no one can look or request your credit report and so they nobody can open a credit card in your name now say you do want to go and you want to open a credit card that you know you weren't expecting or you see a good deal or you're at the mall and you want to open one you can thaw your credit temporarily thaw it and set these parameters and say only open it for this certain window and then freeze it again you can do that and if you have children um, some financial experts also recommend now that you freeze their credit because we've seen horrible cases where identity thieves have gone in and stolen the identities of minors and opened up credit accounts and credit cards. And by the time that minor reaches 18 and maybe decides to open their first credit card, their credit is shot. So you can also for free um, freeze your children's line of credit, even if they don't have one, you freeze their file. Um, And so we're going to put all of that information on how you can do that also in the show notes of this podcast. A credit freeze is entirely different from a fraud alert. So when we come back, we'll talk about a fraud alert and we're going to talk about your rights if you are an identity theft victim. Um, So when I keep saying that there's no need to hire an identity theft protection company, one of the reasons is the feds, the federal government has made it pretty easy now to... um, know how to clean all of this up. That doesn't mean it's not a hassle, but they've given you great steps and guidelines and how-tos to clean it all up and rights to protect you if your identity has been stolen. That's what we'll discuss when we come back. Welcome back to this Ask Amy episode talking about all things 
identity theft and identity theft protection. We've already covered how to recognize if your identity has been stolen and some red flags. And then in our last um, segment, we talked about things that you should be doing every day, every month, every week to make sure that your identity theft is not stolen. So say you do all that or you fail to do that and your identity is stolen. So what then? That is when the real nightmare comes in because it can be very difficult, as you all know, to reach companies, to try to communicate with them and let them know, hey, this isn't my fault. This isn't my responsibility. Here's what happened. I did not make these charges. Your first stop should be to the federal Trade Commission. Um, and you want to contact the Federal Trade Commission. They've made it really easy with sort of a one-stop shop website called Identity Theft. Gov. Now, when you go there, you can file, you can report your identity theft to the Federal Trade Commission. That's going to help prove to businesses that someone stole your identity. So when you do that and you fill out all the information that they're requesting, they're going to allow you to place a fraud alert on your credit report. So a fraud alert is different from a credit freeze. Neither one of them will affect your credit score, by the way. That's according to all three credit bureaus. Um, but if when you put a fraud alert on one credit with one credit agency, it will automatically go to all three. So you don't have to reach out to all three. You put the fraud alert on an Experian and TransUnion and Equifax will also receive that. And what it does is it um, requests that fraudulent information be removed from your report. And it also is supposed to stop debt collectors from contacting you about debt that you did not rack up while all of this is sort of being hashed out and worked through. And so you're going to want to file a police report as well. Usually a lot of businesses want to see that police report. And so if you do the um, Federal Trade Commission report first, when you go to that identitytheft.gov, they're also going to um, help you put together, get an affidavit for you. And whenever you go to file the police report, you can give them that Federal Trade Commission, that FTC federal affidavit that shows that you also filed an identity theft report complaint to the FTC. You have that. You're going to want to make copies because every business that you contact trying to explain to them that these are not your charges, you've got that. And that's your good first step, your proof sort of that you are not responsible for these um, charges. Okay, so the other thing that when you go to identitytheft.gov, you're not you're not sort of um, left alone trying to figure all of this out. So it is sort of this one-stop shop for identity theft victims. They provide checklists and sample letters that sort of guides you through the recovery process. So you're not having to compose your own letter. It's just sort of fill in the blank to whatever company. And here's when my information was stolen. And they kind of customize them for you based on the information that you fill in when you file your your report. So it's very useful. It also, um, the FTC, when you file there, it enters all of your information into a secure online database that other law enforcement agencies can access in their investigations. So say your information was stolen through some large hack or data breach, it allows them sort of to, may I use the word triangulate, and see, you know, commonalities maybe with your identity theft with other people whose identities were stolen. And this could help them stop and um, catch and crack and arrest, you know, giant rings of people stealing people's identities and responsible for data breaches. So it's also very helpful that way. Um, 
the um, Federal Trade Commission also on that website, identitytheft.gov, has done an excellent job at spelling out your rights, um, sort of things that you can do and things that um, you have a right to when your identity is stolen. Um, so basically, it limits your financial loss. When you report identity theft and you have that um, you have that affidavit and you report it also to local police with that affidavit, it basically makes it to where you are not responsible for these charges if you catch them soon enough. So, I mean, if you let these charges and these things linger and you don't catch them for until a year after they happen, you could be responsible for those. So it's spelled out, and excuse me for, for, for um, checking my notes here to sort of see what it is. Um, but basically, if it's an ATM or a debit card that is lost or stolen, if you report your card lost or stolen before any charges are made, like you don't allow that to happen because you're proactive and you call your bank, um, then you're not responsible for any unauthorized charges. If you report it within two business days after you learn about the loss or theft, you're liable for only $50 of the, that's your maximum loss of the charges or the theft. Um, if you wait until up to 60 days after your statement is sent to you, um, then you may be responsible for up to $500. So it limits the amount that you're responsible for, but the longer that you wait to report that, the more of that burden you will have to share um, with the financial institute or the credit card or whatever whatever retailer you know was lending you um lending you money, credit, to be able to cover those losses because somebody is paying for it. The other really helpful thing that you will find at identitytheft.gov, and we'll post a direct link for it in our show notes, is a very list, a helpful list of companies, fraud departments that you'll need to contact um, if you're doing business or if any of your um, identity theft issues happen with any of these companies like Comcast and, you know, some electricity companies. And the reason that this is important is a lot of times, you know, whenever you dial a company and you get to that sort of automated phone system and that phone tree and you're like, oh my gosh, I just need to get to the right person. These links on this Federal Trade Commission website take you directly to the fraud departments of these companies like Citi and, you know, big Capital One, big credit card companies. It's going to take you exactly where you need to go to give them that affidavit to say, hey, I'm a victim of, of identity theft. And the people answering those emails and those phone calls will know exactly what to do. So it just saves you time not having to track down the right person in a huge corporation. I hope that all of this information has been helpful for you. And I hope that you'll check out our show notes for this episode because we've got all of the information that you need there and links to all of the things that we've talked about. If you've got a question for me, you can always reach out to me. Send me your questions at askamy at kprc.com. Have a great day.